0: Hello, and welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. We're still on break and re-airing some of our most popular episodes. This week, we have a discussion on why is interest in basic income surging in the United States.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. And this will be a discussion episode. We're going to be talking about why universal basic income has become
0: such a hot topic in the last few years. Those of you who have been paying any amount of attention have noticed what a difference the last couple of years have made. Back in certainly 2014, even early 2015, if you talked to someone about basic income and described to them, you would either probably get a blank stare or the person thinking you were crazy. It just wasn't in any significant way part part of the narrative at that point. Now. Not only do we have relatively widespread awareness, but you actually have a lot of political leaders in the U.S. who are taking the idea very seriously and and talking about what it might look like to institute some sort of policy like that here in the States. Uh, There certainly isn't universal support by any means, but it's at least a topic of debate now in a way that it definitely was not before.
1: Yeah, I've certainly experienced that in in my own life. I've been... Bringing it up for a number of years now and and more and more so because I don't have to explain it every time I, I talk about it and and yeah, I feel like I usually can assume people have at least heard of the concept, and there's probably not one cause for this. It's a confluence of several factors that have made basic income a real hot topic in recent years. I think one that a lot of people start with and was a big factor for me is automation. This is something that's getting more and more mainstream play that the work we're doing can be automated successfully in ways that it couldn't before. Robots are getting smarter and more able to to do human labor, and they're a whole lot cheaper than a human who you have to pay every two weeks. So basic income was something that I had heard of and I liked before, I really got the automation concept, but it was watching a video about just how powerful automation is getting that really galvanized me to start thinking about basic income. And that's happening to a lot of people where they they see the, the changes that automation is bringing, and it's causing
0: them to think outside the box about where the economy is going. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. The thing that convinced me that we needed to start talking about basic income more was automation, thinking about and, and in fact, experiencing firsthand how a lot of the work that needed to happen within my company actually could now be done by computers, and that we were looking at a really, really significant change in what the labor space was going to look like in coming years. I'll have to say I've become less certain that we're looking at a future where the majority of work will just be done by robots. Because as I've looked more and more at basic income, I've grown my appreciation for how much work out there that isn't being done today, there actually is, makes me think that there may actually be always a lot of interesting and important work to do. It's just the way our economy is currently structured that doesn't really lend itself to to getting that work done. So I think even setting aside the question as to whether automation will destroy most jobs, I think just that prospect, just the possibility of that, as you said, Owen, is making people recognize that we're headed for a scenario that looks very different than we have today, and that we can't just be thinking about tinkering around the edges on the systems that we have. We need to be thinking about big new changes. And on that point, there are
1: some fields of work that will expand most likely as they become more efficient due to automation. One example that gets thrown around is that there was more work for accountants once Microsoft Excel became widely available because they could do so much more. And it turned out there are a whole lot of people that could use some accounting work but you know couldn't pony up for for an expensive accountant who who would do all the work that excel does for them now similarly um, there are a lot of advances in legal tech that could make lawyer services a lot cheaper and that could really expand the number of people that that seek them out on the other hand i'll, I'll take the most obvious example of self-driving cars and trucks could wipe out a huge industry very quickly and reduce the the number of people that are employed in that industry
0: not quite overnight but you know over a couple of years i think that the prospect of automation making a massive change in the way our our labor force works often gets conflated with the general changes that not only are we seeing, but we've been seeing in our economy that are really causing wealth to be concentrated far more than has been true in decades past. There's, automation is a factor, but things like globalization, the shift to more of a gig economy or contingent workforce model uh, for the way that people engage with the economy, and also just the loss of power with organized labor, those are all factors that have led to a split between how well our country and our economy is doing as a whole and how well everyone in the country is doing.
1: You can see this in some statistics very clearly. It used to be that the median income grew with the, the general economy you know, almost uh, on a one-to-one basis. And somewhere around 30 years ago, those two split where incomes have been stagnant, you know, since the the 70s, give or take, 70s or 80s,
0: whereas the economy, GDP, has grown at a pretty steady pace since then. Just a side note, this is also why when people say we can't afford basic income, that's actually totally not true, because if you look at how much wealth we've continued to generate as a whole in this country, it's an extra $4 trillion in our GDP just over the last 15 years. So... There is this huge mismatch between how well the average person is doing and how well how, how much wealth we're generating and how our economy is doing.
1: Right. Their first instinct is just to look at the current US budget and, and try to, you know, come up with another three trillion dollars or you know, whatever the figure is. And just doing it that way makes it seem very difficult, if not impossible. But you know, once you kind of open up to how much wealth we have right now and just the general wealth in this country, it's totally possible. It's also something that more and more people need because as, you know, the rich are getting richer, more and more people are living life on the edge. So it's not just the poorest people that that are, you know, scrambling to make ends meet. It's middle income people who either would be devastated by a serious health event or just some kind of unexpected expense or would have to make serious compromises or may just be getting priced out of their homes and their neighborhoods. And all of a sudden, the ties that bind everything together are becoming more and more afraid for people.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a key thing to note, is that we can talk about median income and GDP, and those are just numbers on the screen somewhere, but this is actually affecting people's lives. People yeah. know how insecure their existence has become. They recognize that just a simple string of bad luck, and suddenly their home may be at risk. They may be in a situation where they they can't put food on the table for their family, and when you see your friends and neighbors having it happen, you really realize how important it is that we make radical change. And of course, we have lots of social
1: services already. They are often quite effective and keep people above water, but it's also very visible that they're not doing everything and that they're not keeping people out of poverty and, you know, as um, residents of the Bay Area, we only need to walk down the street or to talk to our neighbors to to understand that we have incredible amounts of homelessness and poverty, and it's very jarring to be in one of the richest areas of the country and also just to to walk past abject poverty every day. Basic income is a simple, powerful tool that starts to lift people up,
0: no matter what their situation is. It was actually one of our previous guests. Melissa Johnson, who said, we don't have a social safety net today. We have programs that mm-hmm. exist for people, and they provide sometimes really valuable help. But what we have in place right now isn't anywhere near enough. It's not actually something that ensures that people, particularly in the modern economy, are being kept out of poverty and are, are being lifted up to, to a level where they actually have a chance to get ahead. I think... It's fairly intuitive. When you just start thinking about
1: your own life and your, your friends' lives, what would even just like a few hundred dollars a month, what would that mean to to you and your neighbors? That would be huge for so many people. And often these are people that, you know, from, from a zoomed out perspective are doing okay. But even that being the case, so many people are, are close enough to the edge
0: that just having some amount of cushion, it would make a huge difference in their lives. I think another factor that's, actually playing a significant role here is the election last November when Trump was elected president, because that really blew open the idea of what's actually possible in this country. Trump was such uh, an inconceivable candidate in so many ways and was espousing both policies and ideologies that are abhorrent to many people, but also far, far outside of what was considered the normal range of discussion. in in, in politics in this country. And so because of that, far more people are now taking seriously ideas that were just at a much, much larger scale than, than what we were talking about before. And I'll just add to that, I think... Trump's election does show that people
1: were looking for something big. They weren't saying, you know, things are basically fine, but, you know, I I could use an improvement here and there. Millions of people were saying things are not fine. Uh, there's, There's huge imbalances in wealth and political power. And I want someone who is not of this system, who is going to create a whole
0: new system, because this one's not working for me. One thing I would add is, prior to Trump's election, there was already a good amount of coverage on basic income. People were talking about it. I wasn't seeing very many elected leaders who were ready to, to talk seriously about it. There was discussions in the media, you were having conversations with some very high-profile folks, but I think people still saw it as this is something way, way off, and we, we don't really need to be talking about it in serious political circles. I think that's something that Trump's election had a large effect on, is suddenly elected officials and those in a position to be affecting the decisions that are made for policy for this country, it forced them to take a step back and to actually be much more open to to big changes. You see something analogous with the push for uh, Medicare for all single-payer health care, that that's an idea that prior to November... People knew that a lot of folks out there like wanted that as, as an ultimate goal, but it just seemed very pie in the sky, not something that was serious. We now see organizations and campaigns across the country who are very, very seriously advocating for the idea as something that isn't decades away, but something we want right now. And I think in a similar way, basic income, it hasn't gotten quite the traction yet that, that single-payer has, but it's a big policy idea that people have change their perspective on it not just being something that's far, far off, but that we might actually have a shot at in the not-too-distant future.
1: Yeah, I think single-payer is a a really good analogy to draw. Um, During the Obamacare negotiations of 2009, 2010, it wasn't really on the table. Um, You know, it was something that the sort of leftmost flank of the Democratic Party was agitating for, but wasn't really getting much attention. And now it's... It's considered I don't know about mainstream but a, a pretty normal thing for a Democrat to be arguing for um, and you know with the occasional uh, support on the other side of the aisle I think basic income could take a similar path of going from fringy to people have heard about it but don't totally take it seriously to all of a sudden it, it's a, a major plank you know a, a, an idea that people are advocating for. Uh, If you had told me, say six months ago, that we are going to interview elected officials on this
0: podcast, I would have no idea who you're talking about and from what state. So I think we've talked about a lot of reasons as to why people are far more open to big systemic change ideas, recognizing that we need a radically different system than we've had in the past. That doesn't actually answer the question of why basic income, though. There's other ways that we could talk about transforming the system. We've interviewed guests in the past, uh, Jared Bernstein, uh, talking about something like a jobs guarantee. And there's there's other big proposals as well, massive investments in, in, in other areas that could potentially really lift people up. I think a big part of the reason that basic income is really resonating with people is the simplicity of the idea. And it's not just because simplicity is... Good in itself. But if we're thinking about a systemic change policy, most of them are incredibly complicated. And to actually achieve the full systemic effect, you need to think about many, many edge cases and and how this could possibly go wrong or not actually work for for certain communities. And it's hard to test. Actually assessing, is this going to work? You can do the analysis in advance and, and do the policy simulations, but to actually know that this, this is going to make the right difference, this is going to really achieve the goals we want with everyone out there, it's really tough. And so that's, I think, where the simplicity of basic income does provide a big advantage because we don't need to look at all these different factors of all these different scenarios that might affect people. We just need to say, for all these communities out there, what happens when you give them money? What happens when you give them cash? Does that actually make a big difference in our lives? And still think about what might be missing there. It's it's not a panacea. There's going to be cases where where basic income isn't enough on its own. But it makes it far, far easier for us to think about and plan how this might actually work and, and, and where it falls through and, and, and to make sure that we're, we're approaching the policy accordingly.
1: And luckily, we are starting to get some experiments. So that question of what
0: happens, we can start to say, well, let's find out or we are finding out. So that's very exciting. Although I would add one cautionary note, which is I do think people sometimes underestimate the complexities around really thinking through the implementation of a basic income, looking for potential for... Abuse or predatory practices amongst different industries for people receiving the money—it's all, all this stuff is far more complicated than ideally it would be, uh, and I, th- I think often than people think. But that's all the more reason why having a simpler policy is important here, so so we can better uh, in advance figure out and avoid those pitfalls. So I would just
1: urge supporters of this movement. To not take this, this moment that basic income is having for granted, uh, as one example, so marijuana legalization is, is looking pretty good right now, uh, maybe current administration notwithstanding. Uh, but in the 60s and 70s, people thought it was just a few years away because it was having a moment then, and that moment passed. And it, it took a few decades for it to rise from the ashes again. This is something that that we can't just assume is some inexorable force that will continue on and grow until basic income is the law of the land. If we want this, we, we've got to keep agitating for it and keep bringing it up and tell your representatives and anyone else who will listen that this is something you think is valuable and should be explored
0: and is you know maybe the, the future for the country. And we will definitely keep you updated as there are more opportunities, uh, more policies being introduced, more advocacy efforts. There's going to be a lot of important ways uh, and effective ways for for helping to, to build this over time. And hopefully together we can make it happen. Thank you so much for listening to the Basic Income Podcast. Thanks
1: to our producer, Eric Davidson. Please head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice to subscribe and give us a rating and review. It'll help other people find the podcast. And we'll see you next week.